So last week I set a record on a message. It was like 13 minutes and everybody said, could you please do that from now on? And so I said, no, there's no way I'll do that. But today I'll, I'll be gracious. Aaron, if you don't mind, you might turn a little air conditioning on because Melissa Willis, she'll have a hot flash and then we'll just, she'll pass out somewhere. One thing we found out last week about the wise men pursuing the Christ, that in the pursuit, when the star began and somebody asked a question, some of you know this, but Jesus was not born on December the 26th. History tells us that's when the wise men found him. They found him on the 26th. That's why we bring gifts on this day. So we learned kind of last week that he was somewhere between 13, 14, 15 months old when they found the child in the house and, and, and they always depended upon another man's interpretation or directions until they found the Christ child himself. And when they found the Christ child himself, once they gave him the gifts of worship, then God began to speak to them. If last year God hadn't spoken to you, but you've only lived by the opinions of other people, there's a way to change that. Start giving God what he rightfully deserves all the glory and all the honor, everything belongs to him. Your finances, your time, your talent, everything belongs to God because he's the one that gave it to you in the first place. And if you'll do that, you'll find that you don't have to listen to the opinions of other people's always shifting sand sermons. God will talk to you. Now, once he begins to talk to you, the Bible talks about always have it witness in agreement with the word. So God can't say one thing and his word says another. So if he says something to you, come and see if the word backs it up. If it is, take it to the bank. Because I told somebody, that, that I told Jeremy the other day, here's the deal. There are people on, on airways that are not living a, a rightful and truthful life, but every once in a while they'll get a scripture right. Yes. And so you're going to say, well, how in the wide world of sports, if they live like the devil, we know they do, and they get a scripture right because every broken clock is always right twice a day. So there are people that are absolutely in error in doctrine, but every once in a while they'll get it right. They're unproductive. It's dead. It's broken. But the Bible says truth begets truth. So we would rather have it this, this ongoing of, of a residual of truth, begotting truth. And once you get to following Christ and honoring him, oh my goodness, there's no greater life to it. So we're going to make this short and sweet, really. Luke chapter one, verse 26 through 28. Somebody said, well, it's a Christmas story. I understand. I understand. Christmas means a celebration of Christ. We should do this every Sunday. So in the sixth month that the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came to her and said, hail, good day, greetings. Thou are highly favored and the Lord is with thee and blessed are thou among women. You're highly favored. So here we have a young girl that, that her life is about to change. Did you ever notice that God always has surprises for you and he just doesn't let you in on it? Wouldn't it be nice if God would give you the, all the details? The answer, we know you're going to figure that out in a moment. Ephesians 1, 6 and 7. 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the beloved. Verse seven, in whom that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. There are two different scriptures with the same word only used twice in the Bible. Highly favored and accepted in the brethren. These two words are only used twice in the scriptures, accepted in the beloved and highly favored. It's a Greek word called charitos, where we get a word for charitu, and the word T-O-O, it means as well. And by definition, the pronoun is called haritos. The C is solid, where we get a word for charismatic or charismatic. Spiritual gifts, if you would. By definition, there's only twice that this verse, this word is ever used in the scriptures, and one is dealing with the, the Virgin Mary, and one is dealing with you and I as sons and daughters of God. The word charitos or charitu means as well. It means carriers of God's grace. When he looked at the woman, he said this, there's something about you, your life is going to change. See, the, the mistake that you make in churches today is that people are pursuing happiness over holiness. And I'm, 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 I'm going to break your bubble this morning. Without holiness, there's no happiness. See? So we fall into this what-if syndrome of John 14 with Philip. But if you would just show us the Father, we would be happy. No, you wouldn't. If we had more money, we would be happy. No, because people would be asking you for more money. No, you wouldn't. If I had a better job in the corporate ladder, I'd be happy. No, because it's a longer way to fall when you fall. There's only one thing that will make us happy or content is a, a true relationship with Christ our Lord on a regular basis. And so the angel looks at Mary and he said, you're a highly favored charitos. You've been chosen to be a carrier of God's grace. So the apostle Paul taps into the same word because at that particular time, and even now in the Catholic church that we feel like she's set aside and we understand everything about the virgin birth and I'm not making light of anything, but the apostle Paul adds this amendment to the gospel. And this is what he said. Not only she was a carrier of God's anointed, but you now are carriers of the same Christ child. Wow. Charitos. So what the Virgin Mary and we all have in common today that we are carriers of God's grace. Now, God did not give Mary on that day the full details and outline of her life that would be filled with loneliness, disappointments, betrayal, and complication. He didn't come to her and say, listen, you're highly favored, Tritos. You're going to be a carrier of the grace of God. And she had no idea what that meant. And he said, by the way, your life is going to be filled with disappointments and loneliness and betrayal and complications. And she would have said, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> when you got saved, I'm so glad God didn't tell me all the problems I was going to experience in the years to come. I might have said, thanks, but no thanks. But Mary showed it's possible to be favored by God and frustrated at the same time. 
See, we have some, she's the prototype. She's the prequel of, of, of what we are today. <clears throat> Hear me this morning. We're not asking you if you were baptized or if you wrote your name down on the church membership paper. Are you born again? Have you been born anathon from up above? Have you been born from God from up above? The regeneration of the Holy Spirit for the remission of sin. We're not talking about answering to a good conscience. Has your heart be regenerated by the Holy Spirit? Titus chapter one and five. And the answer is yes. And if the answer is yes, if I have been born again of God by the Holy Spirit, then I am also like Mary and we don't worship him and we don't worship her and we don't worship one another, but we are carriers of the incarnated Christ today. He lives in us. And somebody said, well, I thought we had the Holy Spirit. Go back to Children's Church and learn what this thing is about and then come back and we'll talk to you about the Trinity. He is God. He's the fullness of the Godhead, but he is the spirit of God. He was the spirit of God made flesh and walked among us. He's all one, but yet in three different parts. Matter of fact, the word Jehovah, it means there are 16 characteristics of the name of God. And Jehovah means he is God according to your specific need. Jireh, Rapha, our healer, whatever that your need may be, what's this, that he is Jehovah. He is the characteristic of God according to whatever you need. Anybody here worked on a car? Somebody said, I need a 5 16th inch wrench and somebody hands you a quarter inch socket. That's will not work here. <laughs> according to what you need in life, Jesus is your Jehovah. Amen. Whether it be healing, contentment, Patience, peace, whatever it may be. He is all of that. He is the, all the fullness of God according to your need. Now think about that. So Mary showed us that it's possible to be favored by God. How, how many feel like, I mean, I say feel like it's the wrong word. How many knows that if we are children of God, we are favored by God? Yeah. Have you ever been frustrated? Oh, Oh, yes. I laugh about this, but when I got saved, oh my goodness, I was so full of Jesus, I couldn't see straight until I went to church. Oh, they messed me up. They did. Aaron, I love Christ. I got born again. I, I was slobbering and, and my heart was changed. And the first thing I got up from the altar and just wiping tears and some sister that night from the synagogue church, you got to get that Mickey Mouse shirt off. And I thought, I didn't know God hated Mickey Mouse. I didn't know. <laughs> oh, they had a list. Well, if you're going to come to church here, here's the list. And I thought, I, I didn't sign up for that. I got to do that. And I, I didn't. And I understand that there's doctrines and I understand that. But I want you to know it's possible to be favored of God and be frustrated at the same time. She taught us that you can be blessed and burdened at the same time as well. Remember what he said? He said, this child will bring you great joy, but the day will come. Your heart will be pierced like someone pierced you with a sword. No, 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 nobody on television told us that. They just told us everything will be good. They lied to you. She taught us that you can be the friend of God and feel like a fugitive at the same time. When I first kind of got in church, somebody told me that God was like this cop hiding behind every billboard of life. He's waiting to pull me over and 
beat me up. That's not God at all. We are his children. He loves us. There's a great deal between discipline and correction, but he, the Bible said to whom he loves, he will correct. Master Goo, he, he, he will correct us, but he won't punish us. Because one is dealing with the intentions of love and, and desire and the other is the intentions of, of hate and anger. If you're born again of God, God's not mad at you. That's one of the greatest things that the angel said, and I'm going to translate it to you at the shepherds. Jesus, God, is not mad at you anymore. When you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, his anger was taken to the cross and he's not mad at you anymore. We are now sons and daughters of God. And Mary also showed us that we can be pregnant with a purpose while being persecuted at the same time. Now, the angel didn't fill in this little, this little last statement, but I'll go ahead and fill it to you. He should have said, Mary, from now on, your life will never be normal. Turn to somebody and say, I guarantee you, you're not normal. Go ahead. I don't care. I don't... It, You see, when, when people come to church, and I never do this, but they make all these promises. They can't, you know, I'm not a politician. I'm a preacher. We're making promises to you that were never in Scripture. So what happens is if, if people, you, you, according to your taste bud, you can wander off and go wander off. I mean, that's, that's your privilege. But I'm here to tell you that Mary is the prototype for you and I because we're both carriers of God's grace. The Christ is living within us. Let me back that up. He's living in me. And while he's living in me, I, I, I can be the friend of God and feel like a fugitive at times. He can live in me and I, I know that I'm favored, but I can be frustrated sometimes. And I know what it's like to be pregnant with the, with the child of Christ in me and, and also with a purpose and also be persecuted all at the same time. Mary's life was never meant to be normal. And watch this. You have to understand this, that when you gave your life to God, your life will never be normal again. Because when you leave here, you're going to go to a world that still hates Christ and hates God. And Jesus said, if they hated you, they hated me and they hated the one who sent me. Nothing has changed. If you gave your life to Christ, the world don't care. And I'm not knocking the world. They just don't care. You're not normal. Susan Mays, you're not normal. I always wanted to say that from the pulpit and be spiritual. Has anybody besides me been taught when you get saved, everything will be normal? And, and you figure out it's not? The love boat turned out to be the Titanic. You know, puppy love turned out to be a dog's marriage. I mean, nothing's normal. And, and you say, well, what have I done wrong? Oh. And so here they have an answer. You didn't pray enough. You didn't fast enough. You didn't shout enough. Can I hear a better amen than that? Amen. You're not doing enough. Grace says you don't. It's all him. All you have to do is receive it and accept it and, and understand the framework of what's going on in you. When you accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, the incarnation of Christ now lives within you in, in a different capacity, but it's Christ in us, Paul says. Amen. 
Is Christ in you? The same Christ that raised from the dead is lives in you and it will quicken or change your mortal body. It doesn't mean you'll go to heaven. It means your mortal body will be quickened, fully alive with the things of God. So when he told her, he said, you're not going to be normal. The problem was her resistance in life was never about her. It was about who she carried. Now, Joe, again, your buddies at the coffee shop, they, they really don't hate you. They just hate who's in you. And your friends at work, they really don't hate you because as long as you was going to the pink moose and going to the doctor's orders every New Year's Eve night, they really didn't hate you. But when you got saved and changed your lifestyle, they hated the one that's on the inside of you. He's telling Mary this. Mary, you're beautiful and you're pure, but they don't, they don't hate you. They hate the one that she carried. It wasn't about the manger, ladies and gentlemen. It was about the empty tomb. The angel's trying to be in a nice way, in a roundabout way about this to explain her without breaking her bubble. But what he's explaining to her is this. They're not going to hate you personally. They'll just hate the one that's on the inside of you. And the reason why they hate the one on the inside of you is not because he'll be in swaddling clothes in a, in a, in a manger all wrapped up in, in, in tiny and innocent. But they're going to hate you because of the empty tomb. Your tax, ladies and gentlemen, that you're going through right now, it's not about where you are right now. It's where you're going. The reason why there's so much attacks in your life, it's not necessarily about the position and the condition you're in right now. It's about your enemy knows where you're going to go and who you're going to take with you. Because I chose 30 something years ago to take everybody that wanted to go with me to a further relationship with the true deity of a walk with Christ. Removing all the emotions and all the hoopla and all the fanfare. And it's a part of it. But real marriage goes beyond hoopla and fanfare. Real commitment and marriage has everything to do with a discipline of mind and a commitment one to another. That's where I want to take you in this church. If you want to go, we're going. But your enemy is not necessarily hate you, but to hate the one that carries you. Now, and the last thing... Mary taught us something very important. She taught us how to stand in a time of her life when she did not understand. Now, you know, usually this church is pretty full and, and, and we understand that people go through some things, but I'll tell you that, that there's something about it, a true believer of God when they can learn this, to stand because this is what the Bible teaches us, having to stand. Having done all these things, we're still standing. Stand in, in the grace, Ephesians 5 and 1. He's teaching us to stand in certain things. And even in times when you don't understand where you're at and what's going on, Mary taught us to learn how to stand. Because here's the deal. A lesser man would have let go a long time ago. A weaker woman 
would have walked out the back door years ago. And an immature, childish Christian, they would have caved in if they experienced the thing that you experienced. But here's the question I'm going to ask you in closing. Why not you? In 34 and a half years, I've had a lot of people walk through this door. And here's the deal. I really hadn't changed anything. I, I do the things over and over and over, like hamburger in. You can go and order a pizza. You're not going to get it. Oh, I like to have an egg, I like to have an egg roll and some egg foo young. You're not going to get it. You're going to get a hamburger that's greasy. You're going to get some french fries that's greasy. And you're going to get a hot dog that's greasy. I'll take it every time. When you come here, this is all you're going to get. No hoopla, no anything. This is it. You're going to get love and relationship and commitment, a firm handshake and honest people that love you. And that's it. We're not going to pretend. We're not going to put on a show. We're not going to pop me out of the stage or jerk me out of the ceiling. This is it. No Shetland pony rides, no promises I can't kid. This is it. And I've seen people through the years come and go because they, number one, either they were not born again, and we can argue that. We can argue that. Okay. Or number two, that, that for whatever reason, they just didn't have a good foothold. But whatever. The question is, some of you are still here. And you're still going through heartaches, frustration, persecutions, and all these things like everybody else. But you're still staying the course. And why is that? Don't answer that. And if you're a religion, you'll say, well, I read my Bible more than Brandon Webb. <laughs> the Pharisees and the Sadducees knew it, the first five books, word for word, and they were so off course. Matter of fact, the Greek word, when Jesus said, I came to save the lost sheep of Israel, he never called them once sinners, never. He only repeated what they called them. The word lost in the Greek means misguided, misdirected. They went to the church. The Pharisee says, if you want to know God, this is how you get to him. Slice this, do this, do that, do this way, offer that sacrifice. And by the time they got to Jesus, he said, they are so far from knowing the father. They've been misguided. I'd like to go to Wilson. You want to go to Wilson? Yeah. Go to Medill. Go to South Carolina, go to New York, go to Wyoming, go to Cal no, bypass California, go to Nevada, come through Arizona, and then come through Hilton, and then from Hilton, 15 miles, you'll get to Wilson. Well, after about nine years, you're looking for me. And somebody said, all you had to do is just go about 11 miles that direction. That's where they were. They were so misguided on how to get to the Father until Christ came along and said, if you want to get to the Father... I am the way and I'm the truth and I'm the only life. You've made this thing hard, ladies and gentlemen. Church doctrines made it hard that we can love one another and we can love God with all of our might and we fulfill the law of Christ. So why not you? Can I ask you a question? Why not you? My brother Don Epler has been a missionary in, in South America for 23 years. I'm sure he has experienced some hard times. But why not him? Why didn't he fold like a bad lawn chair? Why not you? When your marriage didn't work out and your finances failed, why not you? When the pastor hurts your feelings and all these things happen, why did not you cave in? And here's the simple answer. 
John 15 and 15. Jesus tells it. He lets them in on the secret. In the in-house epistles, no more crowds, no more sermons. He just gathered them in for the next 72 hours. And he's going to talk to them. And he said, from now on, I'll never call you a servant. For the servant does not know what his Lord is doing. For I have called you friend. And for all things that I've heard of my father, I have made known to you. I've called you. He chose you. He chose us. For you that are under the impression that one day you decide and say, hey, I think I'll do a God a favor. I think I'll give my life to God. That is not how this works. You, are, you need to go back to children's church. But the Bible says of days of old that men were moved by the Holy Spirit that uttered the words of divine interpretation by the Holy Spirit. So one day the Holy Spirit moved upon your life and began with cords of love, drawed you and drawing you. And it maybe it was over a period of days and weeks and months, but somehow you knew the change was on his way and you didn't know what it was, but you knew something was going on in your heart. God was calling you. And who can resist his will? None. He chose us. Jesus looked at those disciples and he said, I chose you. Remember what Simon Peter said in John chapter six, a crowd of 35,000 all left when he said this in verse 51 through 57, they broke the loaves and fishes, had a crowd, had a pizza party and a Shetland pony ride. And Jesus, he, he interrupts and he said, oh, by the way, if my father had never called you, you would have never come to me. And they all left. I don't feel bad when a hundred left, 35,000. Boy, I mean, that ought to be a sight. And he looked at Simon Peter and he looked at the Simon and said, what about you boys? And you know how this goes. Simon Peter said, where can we go? We have words of eternal life. He chose you. So back to the angel Mary looks at him and said, how can this be possible? I have a child. I've never known a man. And the angel said, for what God has plans for you, you won't need a man. One of the greatest mistakes that we make is depending on someone to do for us only what God can do for us. As we kind of head into 2023, well, we're headed now. I want you to head into with a, a concept of being wide-eyed open. Jesus refers to this as a serpent. Optomy is a word for wide-eyed serpent. I don't want you to go through 23 just stumbling over the furniture of religion. I don't want you to go through 23 just kind of hitting and missing and pecking around saying, well, I hope I get it right. If you're born again of God, and if you have surrendered your life to God and been called by God by the Holy Spirit and you repented of your sin and you acknowledge Christ as Lord of your life, then here's the deal. He has called you 
And on that moment, that when he birthed his kingdom into you, now then we are referred to as highly favored charitos or accepted in the beloved. We are now carriers of the Christ child. And it's a little different than what she carried him to be because his journey was in a manger to the empty tomb. But now then we are carriers of the Christ child and we are carriers of his kingdom nature authority and power and confidence. There's something different. It's, it's, it's a different tone. But it's Christ in us now and we are carriers of Christ right now. And I'm not waiting for a day when the heaven splits open. I'm telling you, Christ's kingdom is in us now with authority and power. And one day when this is all and over, with the consummation of the second coming, we'll all be joining him. But at the moment now, this is why people don't like to be around you and they don't even know you. You're going to walk into a room and you're going to shake hands with people and they shake hands with you, but they don't like you. It's not because they don't like you, because they sense there's something powerful on the inside of you and you haven't even opened up your mouth. Being around people, they have never heard anything come out of your mouth, but you go, oh, they don't, there's something they don't like about me. It's whom you carry. So one thing we got to end this and we're going to, I want to show you something's kind of funny, but it's, it's really kind of funny. So Mary was the prototype. She told me that I could be favored and frustrated at the same time. Frustrated with work, frustrated with my government, frustrated with all of it. She showed me that I can be pregnated with the things of God and be persecuted at the same time because there are teachings that will tell you in the church that I was raised up that if you live for godliness, you will not have to go through persecution. They lied. If you'll just get it right, nothing bad will happen to you. I wish that was true, but that's not true. And if, if I go through things, Aaron, it's because there's sin in my life. I'm not gonna argue with that, but that's not necessarily the problem here. But here's another prequel to Mary. What's this? This is found in Acts chapter two, verse four. This was the day of Pentecost. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues and the Spirit gave them utterance. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Who was they? Well, it all began back in Acts 1. Acts 1 verse 14 says this, and these, or they, they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Mary was one of the 120 that were there in Acts 2 and 4. Can we agree with that? Can we agree with that? And Acts 2 and 4 says, what happened? They were filled with the Spirit. Mary is the only one that we have record of that was filled with the Holy Spirit twice. Ooh. That's better than wow, but I'd say powwow. That's better. So let me, let me, let me cut this off. 
for people that are really don't understand grace, messages like this are boring. I understand you need to get saved. That's all there is to it. You can take your church doctrine and 50 cents to buy a cup of coffee at McDonald's. Mary was filled with the Holy Spirit that day as a young virgin. And the Holy Spirit entered her body. But through her life, she, she went through frustrations and trials and persecutions. She went through all these things and she was obedient to God and she kept the, she kept the faith. She stayed the course. Matter of fact, the Bible said she pondered these things in her heart when he said this. And the word ponder in the Greek means to put under lock and key. It was a treasure. She said, evidently, I'm going to need these words later on in my life. You're a fool to come into this church and hear wonderful teaching and, and let it slip through your fingers. You need to keep it in lock and key. You need to write it down somewhere because you'll forget it when you get on 4th Street going home. What did he say? I forgot. She, she pondered these things in her heart. She kept it under lock and key. She kept it as a word for a treasure, a keepsake, knowing evidently that the day will come where I may need the words to remind me that I'm highly favored of God. Then I'm pregnated with a purpose. Some of you this morning need to be reminded that you're still highly favored of God while life frustrates you. Some of you this morning, you're here at the right place. You need to be reminded that it's possible for you to go through persecution and still be impregnated with the things of God. But Mary was the only one that was filled with the Spirit twice. And I'm, I, I'm so thankful for this because we as carriers of the gospel of Christ that it's so wonderful that it's not just a one-time kapow. I'm glad to report to you this morning that, that years ago I, have, I was filled with the Spirit in the fullness of God. The entry of Christ, the, the fruit of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit become manifest in my life. And I'm so glad that on that day and whatever day that it was that I got it, I'm so glad it did not was a one-time thing. I'm so glad to tell you that every day of my life, driving down the road, sitting quietly in a closet by myself. I can call out the name of God. And it's like he fills me again with his spirit. Mary did. And matter of fact, last, when he filled her twice with the spirit, it was that familiar feeling of someone besides me is living in me. Even in all that I've been through in life. One thing about the the infilling of the Spirit of God, it's a reminder that someone beside you is living in you. The reason why you didn't fold like a bad lawn chair 
It wasn't because of your education and it wasn't because of your talent. It wasn't because of your good looks. It was because of His grace living in us. And if His grace has brought us this far, Brother Don, then it's His grace that'll see us through. So in 2023, let's enter this year with a great awakening that He chose you. He selected you. He handpicked you. He handpicked you for a purpose and a destiny. And in that, He equips you with the Holy Spirit, His written word. And when He empowers you, you'll also experience hard times, but it's okay. It's normal. But I'm so glad the Bible tells us about Mary, Casey. He filled her again. He filled her again. God is faithful. I say God is faithful. So that's what I ask God to do for you this year. Anybody here besides me been frustrated last year? <laughs> Disappointed? Persecuted? Why didn't you give in and why didn't you collapse? Because the kingdom of heaven is in you. Blessed are you. You are highly favored. Christ is in you. Let's go change our world, can we? Christ can do it. Father, this morning with a humble heart and a sincere mind, all the praise and the glory goes to you. We just lay down all of our accomplishments. We throw all of our crowns of achievements. We just cast it to your feet today. Thank you for giving us insight about Mary. Thank you for giving us insight about her life and her instructions and her, the details that unfolded. We're no different than she. We both are carriers of the Christ himself. We both experience the elation of your infilling, but we also experience the frustrations and the difficulties and the disappointments and the heartaches and the heartbreaks. But you have a remedy for that. It's called you continually fill us with your spirit. So this morning, thank you for the people of God in this place. And for those that are not here today, you're not restricted by time or place. Would you just move into their, would you just touch them and move into their heart? Let them know that you love them. There may be people that are wadded up in the corner of shame, somewhere on the corner of heartbreak and disappointment. Would you just touch their life? Would you just pull the cord strings of their heart and let them know wherever they are that you still love them and they're still yours. And that's the promise that we have this morning. So we give you thanks for the upcoming year because you're going to prepare us for the journey in the days ahead. In Jesus' name. And all the people of God said, amen. amen. Give the Lord a praise offering. Stand to your feet, huh? Turn and give about two people a big old hug and say, hey, I love you. 
You have frustrated the fire out of me, but boy, I love you. I'm telling you. God is good. Communion service, please come this morning. As Jeremy said, that if that's what it takes to praise you, then bring the rain. Why not you? Why not you? In a barroom fight with bullets blazing everywhere, not one found you. The drug overdose that should have killed you as a teenager, but it did not. Why not you? The diagnosis from the doctor said it gave you 30 days and that's been 30 years. Why not you? Wow. He's chose you for this time and purpose. That night he sat with his disciples and he took two simple elements that was common to these, these men, the bread and the cup. It's the very last life lesson he would give us in the New Testament. The very last one. And because it's the last one, I think we need to pay attention to it. He said, for 1,500 years, gentlemen, you observed the breaking of the bread. On the first Passover, it was the bread without leaven, without sin. John 6 says that my father now has sent me from heaven as the bread of life. And if any man eats of me, he will never hunger again. And they broke the bread. And then he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, for 1500 years, you've been celebrating the lamb's blood, the lamb's blood that was taken. And it was placed in the shape of a cross upon the doorpost. And when the death angel or Abaddon would come to the house, it would pass over the house. And Jesus said, now then I am the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And my Father now will take my own blood and place it in the shape of a cross that if any man believes in me, he will never perish but have everlasting life. So we have the opportunity for the past over 2,000 years to celebrate Holy Communion. It's a reminder of the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. These elements will not save you within themselves. It's just a reminder. I told one, somebody one time that when I was gone for a few days away from my little bride, that I always kept a picture of my billfold. And working in the oil field up around Woodburn, Oklahoma for about four or five days, and we just got married. And I remember driving down the road, pulling her picture out. It was a reminder. It wasn't the real person, but it was a reminder of the one I loved. And it may do till I got home. These sacraments are not the real Christ, but I will tell you, it's a reminder of him until we meet him face to face. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. And for all that partake of it, let them find life and health and happiness, patience and perseverance because Christ in us, in Jesus' name, amen.